All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition, the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. It was a very eventful night last night. I expected to, I knew I was going to either record this last night or this morning, and I did not, I, I wanted to get the Air Raiders game in here. I did not expect as much to happen with the baseball transfer portal last night, but we have the Air Raiders beating some purple team, uh, purple heart, sorry, 83-62. We have Mason Molina transferring to Arkansas, and we have Dylan Carter also going to the SEC, uh, heading to Georgia. We'll talk about all that and more. We're going to start with the actual game because it's like the first time since that uh, June Monday in Gainesville that we've actually had a game to talk about involving Texas Tech players. It was, um, I, I'm going to be honest, I was driving from McAllen to San Angelo, so I didn't really watch much of the game. The parts I did tune in for, uh, seeing Kyler, I believe it was Matt Mooney cutting under and passing out to Ky- Kyler Murray to hit a shot, or it may have been reversed. Um, I saw the alley-oop uh, from Matt Mooney to Tariq Owens. I got to say, this team, I know if y'all watched the team last year, it was kind of a hodgepodge of players that were part of teams and then from other teams, but no, they kicked all they kicked all the non-Texas Tech guys off this team. One of them went to Texas's team and lost last night, so he got bounced in the first round instead of the second round with us. I it was kind of messed up how he how he got kicked off the team, but um, just the players on this roster, obviously, all of them went to Texas Tech. There's Davide Moretti, Davion Warren, Jayon Kravich. Uh, John Robertson, Jordan Tolbert, Parker Hicks, Matt Mooney, Kyler Edwards, Tariq Owens, Zach Smith, and Todrick Gotcher. I'm going to be honest, uh, Gotcher is kind of the cutoff for me for players that I actually knew and watched at Tech. Um, there's a couple guys on here who I, I know they did good things at Texas Tech. I'm going to be honest, there is no way in the world I would have known who they are. But it was a nice win. They played the New Mexico team. So we would have played the Texas team, but they got bounced by the New Mexico team, which I got to say, it is. I know that this TBT stuff, is it actually important? Not really. But Texas teams now representing men's basketball, baseball, and football are now 1-6 and six since 2021 in games in Lubbock. They lost two of three in baseball. They've lost all three in basketball since then. And they've lost a game in football. So, and now they lost the TBT game. So they are now one and six in Lubbock. I'd want to leave this conference too if I were them, if I was going one and six in some of these towns in the three major sports. But, you know, that's just me. So great job of CDC getting them out of out of that mess uh, running from there. But it. It is really cool watching these guys play again. And it wasn't, you know, seeing Moretti, Mooney, Kyler Edwards, and Tariq Owens out on the court together is really cool. You throw in Davion Warren um, as well as Zach Smith. It's just a really cool group that they have. And then there's obviously the John Robertson, Jordan Tolbert, um, Jan Kravich. Those are players I'm going to be co- completely honest I did not know that they went to Texas Tech you you could have fooled me on those but uh, my history kind of extends back to 2015 at the latest as well as my knowledge of players on Tech basketball but 
it is really cool watching them back there. Um, it's all happening in Lubbock, which I think is the best thing. This was the 10th largest crowd in TBT history last night, actually, for a first-round game. For It's for the entire tournament, but for a first-round game, they got the 10th largest crowd in TBT history. I got to say, I, I think this is a really cool tournament. I remember watching it a few years ago. I think they had kind of a Matadors team, I believe, and then last year's the first time that they actually made a full go of it, but it was kind of late. This one, they have actually been practicing in the Womble. Uh it's got to be really cool for players. You know, there's there's a video of Pop Isaacs battling on Matt Mooney during practice. It's got to be cool for them to be able to play with four of the guys from the five of the guys from the Final Four team. Um, Parker Hicks is also on the team. I, I knew him. Uh, but it, it has to be really cool to, for them to be with those guys, be with Gotcher, who went through, what, three, four, five, 17 different head coaches in his time at Texas Tech, or even even uh, Zach Smith, part of our first Elite Eight team. Lorenzo Diase was obviously in Lubbock. And Brandon Francis was actually going to play in this tournament. However, he's he made the final in Indonesia. So, two things. Congratulations to him on making the final in Indonesia. Second, is there a Latin American or Dominican League that can possibly get him the heck out of Indonesia because um, their soccer league is literally called the most dangerous league in the world. And I'm sure their basketball league isn't as dangerous, but still, still, I, I don't know. Maybe it would be better if he could find a league closer to home where, you know, everybody, he speaks Spanish. I'm sure everybody speaks Spanish. Um, in one of these Latin American leagues. I don't know. Maybe maybe just a suggestion. Maybe just bring him closer to home. But they'll play the New Mexico team at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. I think this team, man, just watching them, it was not even a close game. I got to watch the last, ten, the fourth quarter of the game, and I was kind of flipping it on and looking as I was completing my drive. I, I had it through the audio. Uh, but I... I I got to say, this Zach Smith and Tariq Owens um, download, that is that is scary. And then you have as much skill with Matt Mooney, Kyler Edwards, Davide Moretti. This is just a really good team. Obviously, De- Devion Warren's going to be a key piece. Uh, Kravich is also down low, 6'10". Then you have John Robertson and jo- Jordan Tolbert. This is a really good group of 10 players. It's going to be... It is going to be a lot of fun. Ronald Ross is one of the assistant coaches. This has been a really well put together team. Uh, Andrew Sorrells, who is also part of the Final Four team, was the GM. I will say, um, as is Clark Lambert, both of them did a really good job putting this team together. Um, it's going to be fun to watch tomorrow night. Uh, so, gotta say, looks a lot better than last year's TBT team. And one thing I want to touch on is Kyler Edwards on this team. So, Kyler Edwards, obviously he transferred after three seasons. And it was kind of rough when he left. I know that it was rumored uh, that he was going to leave. He really didn't fit in with Mac McClung. Those two, they didn't really play together well. And I don't think it was mainly Kyler Edwards' fault. And he gets a lot of crap for both the way he left, obviously he left announcing immediately after Beard 
said that he was going to Austin, that he was going in the portal, and then right after that, he also put out the tweet or put out that Instagram pic saying Red Raider for life with with a graphic of him saying run it back. The same night that Kevin McCuller did that when Mark Adams was announced and it looked like everybody was coming back for the most part. And then a couple of days later, he's gone. And also, he gets crap for missing that layup against Arkansas in the final minute. Which, by the way, Mac McClung also missed the front end of a 1-1. One one. TJ Shannon also missed a layup as well. So... I think that Kyler Edwards never quite fully fulfilled his potential um, because he was the seventh leading minutes getter in our tournament run, I believe, because Brandon Francis was our sixth man. But as a true freshman, as soon as they got off the plane, as soon as they did that welcome back, he was shooting, he was shooting, um, practicing right after. But I never, I think we all expected him to take a bigger leap. And I know that year was... I am spacing on that guy's name, the guy who went to Clemson, He, uh, Kavon Moore. I know that, you know, Kavon Moore came in with all these expectations, and then Kyler Edwards was kind of the freshman that fulfilled it that year, and we kind of expected him to go on that upward path. Maybe he reached near his peak pretty soon, and he was always a good player for us, but he never took that next step. But... I think it's great having him back on the team. I think he's one of the more over-criticized players that there is um, in Texas Tech basketball. I think him and TJ Holyfield, by the way, would be both would be one-two on that list. Uh, but I think that Kyler Edwards coming back, I'm really glad to see him on this team. I think that is something that probably needed to happen. Um, and it's cool that he wanted to come back and play in front of Lubbock one more time. I I think that he he helped elevate the program. He was a key piece in that Final Four run. And he gave it three years. He gave it three years. So he wasn't a four-year player, but he was here for three years. Went through a, a rough year, that COVID year where we were on the bubble. Went through the coaching change and left after the coaching change. And in hindsight, knowing what we know now about Mark Adams, I don't think anybody should blame him. And I, quite frankly, don't think anybody can fault him for leaving Texas Tech. All right. Um, So now that I've just spent a while talking about why we shouldn't criticize the transfer, here's why I'm going to bash one of them. Um, So Mason Molina, he has committed to Arkansas. He gets to yell, woo, pig, suey, be a part of one of the most annoying fan bases in the entire country. One of the most underachieving baseball teams, baseball programs in the entire country. The team that got ran off the field in their home stadium by TCU this year. We didn't do that. We went 2-1 we, we went against TCU in our home stadium. They went 0-2. But he has transferred to Arkansas. You can speculate why. You can take your guesses why. But this was a huge blow. This was probably expected the moment that he entered the portal. I know there was allegedly some snags with roster space for Arkansas. He, t- he took the visit, and I was thinking uh, before it was announced last night that I was really, really surprised that it was taking this long for him to announce after his visit because I thought for sure he's going to Arkansas. I mean, that's what everybody who, who has info on him was saying. That's what everybody thought was going to happen. But 
Mason Molina's gone, and Kyle Robinson is now the ace of this team. And Kyle Robinson is going to have to prove himself because he looked great in Gainesville. He looked great in Arlington. He had a good uh, sophomore season, but he wasn't a starter the full year. Remember, he was our opening day starter and got pulled, and Gerton went in and took that spot. And it took a long, long time for Kyle Robinson to get that starting spot back. And it was really the fourth game of a regional after Parrish went down. He was number five, by the way, at that point, even surpassing Gerton. Um, on the list of starters that we would have chosen if Parrish was still healthy. So he's elevated to the ace now. And Zane Petty, reports are coming out from his summer league that he's looking really good. Kyle Robinson is on the U.S. national travel team. Mason Molina did not make that travel team. I think um, it, it may not be purely performance there on why he didn't make it, uh, but... Kyle Robinson made it to the... Kyle Robinson is going to have a lot to prove this year. And he has all the tools to prove it. He has all the tools to get there. And then you look behind him. Jack Washburn is not a guy that typically goes deep. He's going to be back and healthy. Can he go deeper into games? Uh, He's played in 15 games for Ole Miss in 2022. Started nine. He only went five innings three times, though. Can he go a bit deeper than that? Then you have you have Zane Petty, you have him, you have some freshmen coming in, you have Parrish, you have Tabor Fast, Ryan Free. I think it does give Tadlock some options, but the tough thing is now, you're not having this competition between Washburn, Parrish, Petty, Jacob Rogers, Fast, Free, all those guys for just one Sunday spot. Then some go into the bullpen, some go to the midweeks. Now you have that competition for two starting spots, which is going to make it way more difficult. And I will say, I have no problems with guys who want to transfer to get playing time. Jarrett Curtis is going to Missouri. Um, I don't have a, I, I don't hold anything against him after not getting much playing time for doing that. This Mason Molina one, it's a bit tougher when you were going to be the Friday starter for a team that's been to a bunch of College World Series to say, yeah, I know this is best. This is good for college athletics. Um, I don't know. I do not like this move at all. Uh, I don't I don't particularly care for it at all. Hudson White even. I don't, I don't even blame Hudson White. I think that he, he saw that it was going to get crowded in the catcher's position and wanted an assured spot. Um, and, and you could hear that with the interview Tadlock did after he transferred. Tadlock obviously wasn't happy about it, but he said that he wanted to be an everyday starter, and pretty much that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I don't really fault Hudson White for going to Arkansas. This Mason Molina one, this was a kick in the you-know-where. This is a tough one to overcome, but I think that you know with how the draft went, with how your recruiting class went, I think that, and really the development of pitchers that we've seen from Zane Petty, Jacob Rogers, Kyle Robinson, there's a lot of reason to believe this isn't going to be a killer. Now, there's another guy that transferred, Dylan Carter. Um, He's going to Georgia, which is probably like the 13th best program in the SEC. I also don't have a problem with Dylan Carter leaving. Um, 
I don't know that he was guaranteed a spot. I don't know how he's going to hit in the SEC because that was a problem for him. He's a great center fielder, but I'm okay with Gage Harrelson taking over center field. Um, Owen Washburn's going to be back in the outfield. We're going to have to see who takes another outfield spot and really probably two of them because you normally have four. I think one or two of one of the names that comes up is Drew Woodcox. Um, he's a guy that DH'd for Texas Tech in the Super Regional when Hudson White was catching. He's not a guy that I really blinked when he took over that DH spot um, and really took Dylan Carter out of the lineup. Now, he went 4 for 8 in postseason play, counting the Big 12 tournament. He went, he was 600 uh, in Big 12 play, but that's that was 3 for 5. He's a guy that, could he be a Zach Vuletich? Possibly. We'll see. And he's a guy that, by the way, came here as a freshman, went to Rice, then came back, didn't get much playing time. He's obviously not a guy that's afraid of a challenge, so we'll have to see what happens with him. That's just one of the names thrown out there. Apparently, uh, Damian Bravo's also looking really good in in Summer League right now. He, him and St. Petty are two that are being talked about a good amount. So we're going to have to see what happens with the outfield, what happens with our starting pitching rotation, but I think this is going to be a really deep team. You're going to have you are littered with infielders. You got Travis Sanders coming back, Kevin Bazell, Austin Green, Tracer Lopez, Will Burns, fourth string quarterback, two Gavin Cash. You got a couple transfers coming in. I mean, it's going to be littered in the infield. Could Austin Green move to the outfield? Quite possibly. And then maybe somebody takes over second base, whether that's a Will Burns or Tracer Lopez moves over. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see what Tim Tadlock does with this roster. But I, I don't think there's any reason, if you're a Texas Tech fan, to be too concerned right now, although that Mason Molina transfer does hurt. Now, I want to talk about a bit of college football as a whole here. These media days, and the Pac-12 specifically, the Pac-12 has missed, what, their 35th deadline now. They will not have a media deal past this season going into their own media days, which is borderline insane to me. It's, I I can't understand it. I mean, we had our media deal through the 2025 season or through the next season, and we've already had ours done for over six months now. They have a year less left on it, and they still don't have theirs done. It really seems, and my office is in Boulder, it really seems like they're going to join the Big 12. I I really believe that. Even when you have, what, the CU president coming out and saying our goal is to stay in the Pac-12, it's like, well, okay, that's not, uh, I don't know how many Pac-12 people that are relying on the life of that conference are hearing that and saying, oh, that's reassuring when you're going from, oh, we're committed to this conference, we're in this conference, it's a great institution to being like, yeah, our goal is to stay here, but, you know, that's kind of one of those things that, uh, you you're you finish your last interview you know you're probably about to get a job offer from somewhere better and they ask you you at your current company oh well what do you think your future is here it was like oh my um, yeah my goal here is to do this and this or you know yeah it, it is just that cannot be reassuring to any back 12 people i will say i would love the demise of the pack 12 because 
forever, and I've been working on some stuff, uh, but going through the history of the Big 12, forever, the Big 12 was a really strong conference, and it just got picked apart because it was right in the middle. If you can pick apart the team to the west, if you can take them out of play, next up, the AC, the Big 10 and the SEC is just going to be fighting over the ACC teams. And you're going to be in a really strong position because you have freaking all four time zones, but you're going to have the West Coast too. You're obviously going to share that with the Big Ten, but you're going to have the Mountain time zone almost exclusively to yourself. I think, and conference realignment, it's not my favorite thing to talk about, but I think that all these media deals falling through, these media deadlines falling through, the fact that they're going to have to talk about this at media days, the fact that Deion Sanders, by the way, isn't even going to Pac-12 Media Days because, it, you know, the first time in seven years he goes to the doctor when his foot's falling off is somehow uh, the day before Pac-12 Media Day. So that's interesting. But um, I think that the Big 12 is in a really good position. They're going to add some schools. And college football as a whole, I keep seeing Texas Tech talk tossed around as a dark horse potential dark horse for a playoff i do not love the playoff talk but in all honesty you're probably gonna have to go eight and one in the big 12 to make it to the big 12 championship game now that there's 14 teams it's very doable you have the games that you need to win you have about five of those then you have four games with tcu kansas state texas or three games we'll, we'll throw baylor in there as the fourth that could be a toss-up because they did beat us pretty bad last year. But you have all those... You If you go 8-1, and one, really, you should win in Wyoming. You're going to beat the FCS school because Matt Wells isn't here, so you're not going to have a heart attack like you did against Stephen F. Austin or Houston Baptist. But if you beat Oregon and make it to the Big 12 championship game, you're probably 11-1. You're probably playing a pretty good team. In all likelihood, if you beat Oregon and make it to the Big 12 championship game, you are playing for a playoff spot at that point. Now, I don't think that's a realistic goal or really realistic expectation for this team. But the playoffs, if you win in week two, the playoffs become a real thing for Texas Tech football this year. But that's going to do it for this one. Next week, we're going we're gonna to recap the Air Raiders. Uh, the next podcast will come out on Tuesday. After the Air Raiders, they play on Friday. If they win, I believe they would play on Sunday. We'll recap their first uh, first weekend of the tournament. Hopefully the first of two. Hopefully they're going to Philadelphia for the second week. But we'll recap that. We'll talk about a much more football preview. I'm going to take a look at where are we going to fill in the linebacker position since we lost three linebackers from last year. Where are we going to fill that in? All that will be next time. If you all have time, uh, go ahead and click subscribe. Give it a five-star review. Uh, seriously, if you have anything, any uh, concerns or criticisms for me, please don't leave a bad review. Just find me. Uh, send me some mean tweets or anything like that. Uh, but anyways, appreciate it and wreck them.